Hey, is it Saturday yet? Not so fast, my friend. <laughs> A podcast presented by Student Union Sports. Hello, everybody, and welcome into another episode of Is It Saturday Yet? I'm Luke Owens, joined alongside Andrew Diaz, Big Hoppa, Bryce Hopwood, and of course, our guy, Liam Smith. Liam knows things behind the scenes, and boys, it was moving day, it was shaking day in college football last weekend. Three results that will shake the course of the college football playoff rankings for this week, which of course we will dive into, but first, we have to look back, because LSU... Going for two, beats Alabama 32-31. to 31. Clemson dominated at Notre Dame 35-14. to 14. Georgia beats Tennessee 27-13 in a game that wasn't all that close. And this is where I want to start tonight, gentlemen. I want to look at these three games. And I'll start with Hop. We'll go to Diaz. We'll do a little roundtable here. Which game shocked you the most? And which game do you think has the biggest implications on what's ahead? Look, man, it was like Saturday at the Masters. Like you said, it was moving day. I would be remiss if I didn't start with another happy birthday shout out. Our father of our podcast, Pablo Diaz, my guy. Thank you. Just want to say happy birthday. Just, you know, all love comes right here from the heart. Anyways. Thank you. (laughs) No problem. (laughs) <laughs> who's next I in the knew. family uh, i saw that, I saw that twitter post and i knew i knew something i had to say something i'm convinced hoppa just knows every one of diaz's family members birthdays but again i'd like to acknowledge team. he sees the tweet didn't like it didn't give it any love on social media which again was what he did when i tweeted about my mom's birthday so i it, it's <laughs> that's probably what's most disappointing is that i get no interaction from hop until we, uh, <laughs> we sit down to record my man, that's on me. I take full responsibility, but look, we'll <laughs> we'll move to business here. Um, no, I mean, the most impactful game, uh, I think, is obviously the LSU-Bama game. I don't really know that that's, uh, that's an uh, – can be understated. Brian Kelly, the cojones to go for two when he didn't have to. Um, I don't know, maybe maybe a little scared of a, of a FSU, the Florida State game happening again. Uh, situation, which, you know, I don't know. I didn't check his presser after, but that would have been my first question. Um, but yeah, I mean, just an insane, insane week of football. Awesome week of football. It was everything that college football is about. Um, but yeah, I mean, that one's obviously big, you know, we're about to enter in the conversation of a two loss team. You know, we got everybody undefeated at the top. We got losses everywhere, man, this thing for as much. I think, uh, I think, you know, before the season, as much talking to as as there was about not having a lot of parity in the sport, at least for this season, boy, we're seeing a hell of a lot of it, if, in my opinion. But I don't know. That's what I think. Yeah, I it, when you look at Im- impact wise, I think that the LSU Bama game uh, kind of it has become the most impactful, just because now Bama moves the two losses. They're, I think, essentially eliminated from the playoff um, unless they somehow. LSU loses a couple games. Bama makes the SEC title game and then wins the SEC championship. That's really the only way I think that they could weasel their way into the college football playoff somehow. Uh, but if you're going by the shock factor, it it has to be Notre Dame just coming out and and really just throttling Clemson. And they they did it in the way that they had to do it, where you know you have to be perfect in all three phases of the game. Uh, special teams first, blocking the punt. Defensively, they really picked apart DJU, and then Cade Klubnick comes in, his first play, throws an interception, gives Notre Dame unreal field position, and they they score right there to push it to 28 or uh, 21 nothing. And then you had the DJU pick six. It, it just – they came out and really dominated. And right now, Notre Dame kind of owns the ACC. They, they're only – UNC's only loss is to Notre Dame. They beat Syracuse, who had one loss at the time. It was kind of, unfortunately for Luke, is on a bit of a skid right now. Uh, and then they beat Clemson to give them their one loss and, and pretty much, I think, eliminate them from playoff contention. So they're kind of the grim reaper of the ACC at the moment. So 
Uh, I, if we're going by sh- by shock factor, it, I really think it needs to be that Notre Dame game. But impact wise, that LSU Bama game puts LSU almost in the conversation to make the playoff if they win the SEC championship, but and, and eliminates Bama. But the the Notre Dame game was very surprising. Even as a Notre Dame fan, I did not feel watching this team this year. I feel confident uh, about zero percent of the time they step on the field because I don't know if they could. They could have easily lost that game in that reverse score of 35-14. So a- anything with them is possible at this point of the year. I- I'm waiting for the letdown game against like BC or Navy at this point. So, Yeah, and I, I think honestly I put the Clemson and the LSU games almost on the same level in terms of impactfulness because I think by Clemson losing, it should eliminate them. And I think it opens the door for the Pac-12 even wider, which I think helps immensely I mean obviously LSU winning and eliminating Bama and I tweeted it Georgia fans I might I might have to root against Georgia because I tweeted out I I literally said you know how like you tweet out like okay like whispers whispers I was like whispers LSU controls their own destiny to the college football playoff and Georgia fans were like oh they have to get past us I'm like yeah I know they have to get past you I'm just I'm making a statement they if they went out they're in that's all I'm saying and Georgia fans can't get it through their dumb Southern brains that all I'm saying is they control their own destiny. I'm not saying they're going to beat Georgia because for some reason now Georgia has become this cult on like, I've got people saying Kirby smart is like the best coach in the country, whatever this is. And that it's like, slow your roll. It's one national championship. You're a great team. You're the best team in the country. All I was saying is that LSU controls their own destiny. That's all I'm saying. Just get it, get it through those skulls. I, I think all you, you know what? Fans have a hint of dumb, a hint of dumb in them. Um, and like when their team loses or like anything is brought up as like a counterpoint to them, <laughs> they get upset. Like I saw a, a tweet. It was like TCU is finally getting the respect they deserve and just got flooded with like these country bumpkins with orange in their profile picture. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, they, they, they've beaten nobody. We have one loss. Like we should be ahead of them. Like, it, it was just hops burner account. <laughs> I mean, Hey, you're, you're let's, I mean, you know, Diaz, and we can talk about TCU in a little bit, but you, you picked a team to get behind with the terms Texas and Christian in it. And I don't know how you thought the combo of those two wasn't going to be nuts. It's bad. No, I mean, no, but Luke, to your point, I mean, Georgia, I mean, you still got to go win the ball games. I mean, you're, you know, I said I had the same thing uh, last year with Wisconsin. You know, they had to, they controlled their own destiny. They had to go beat Minnesota. And I had people, you know, obviously it's a much less impactful scenario uh, last year, but it's like, look, general, I mean, they just control their destiny. If they just win out, like, yeah, okay, we have to get through you, but sure, like, it, that doesn't matter. That's not the point I'm trying to make is I'm not saying LSU is going to beat Georgia, you know, in your case, I'm just saying that if they do, then they're in, um, which I think is, oh man, it's just so tough because that team, you know, just with the struggles, the ups and downs, but Florida state being better has helped. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't know this Georgia, Georgia is kind of doing the thing like, where they're getting a little too big for their britches. I totally agree with you on that one. Not, but you know, this is, this is the argument is where, you know, you know, they hadn't won a natty since 1980. Now they just won one, probably the best chance to go back to back. So it's like, well, I mean, you know, it's, it's a little bit of give and take there. It's, it's what makes sports and all this stuff so much fucking fun. Yeah. And that's why I hate it because I'm, I'm, I literally tweeted during the Georgia game. I was like, hey, like, do we forget? Like, do we forget collectively as a country that, like, Georgia is an absolute wagon? And they showed it, and they're an awesome team. It's just, like, the fan base just needs to take it down a notch. Like, I understand they're the best team in the country. I'm not taking that away from them. But I think also when we kind of look at how things shape up in the rankings this week, of course, Georgia stays at number one – or leaps to number one, I should say. They probably should have stayed at number one. But they leap to number one. Ohio State at two. Michigan up to number three. And those pesky, pesky TCU Horn Frogs are now in fourth. And, I mean, if they went out, they're in. I don't think there's any argument to say that someone can jump over them at this point. They're playing. I, I get it. All the talk, blah, blah, blah. I think the Big 12 is a good conference. I think they have good teams. And they're going to have to win some tough games. I mean, there's seven-point underdogs going into Texas this weekend. ABC night game. That's going to be a really fun one. So, they're battle-tested. I don't care what Hop says. I don't care what anyone says. This team had they're undefeated. They deserve to be in the dance right now. And if they went out, they'll be in. I I came into this podcast, Andrew Diaz, 
first of all, I was I was gonna say something smart because they have they helped me out with the Texas Tech win total, you know, getting them beat, whatever. But I've come, I've decided, Andrew Diaz, I'm coming to you this week with a proposal. Are are you willing to hear me out? I'll, I'll hear you out. Okay, I am proposing to you that I will admit that TCU has done the work regardless of their scenarios and who they've played and whether or not they've played eight different quarterbacks in the last five weeks. I will, I will forgive all that and say they deserve to be in the college football playoff at this point. If, if you're willing to admit that the resume and the, the quarterback situations, you know, have been favorable. That was a nice proposal, but no, I mean, they're, they're undefeated, Hop. I mean, I, the, the one thing that does concern me a little bit is I am gearing up for the inevitable letdown loss this week against Texas. I, I'm still riding hard for the Horn Frogs, but it just like Texas hopping back in the top 25, um, getting kind of back in the mix and then being seven-point underdogs does concern me a lot. But, I mean, th- at this point, I don't think if you're undefeated, the resume doesn't matter. Uh, especially with how few undefeateds are left. And when you look at who is undefeated and compared to their resumes, TCU is 100%. Like if they went out, they're the team that should be in. Um, so no, I, I, I will not, I will not concede to you hop. I, I, I simply won't. All right. I won't scream at you, but I'm just going to tell you, I mean, they, they, I mean, they just haven't, I don't know. Like, It'll be interesting as long as Quinn Ewer stays healthy if he's able to shred him because I think he he will. That's my. They've been putting up points though. They, it doesn't matter how. Yeah, many but they've been giving up points. How many you score? Were you nervous at all last week, Diaz, in that Texas Tech game? Because it, it was a little dicey for a minute there. There's been no TCU game I've watched this season that I've been that I've felt confident like the entire game like yeah all right they're gonna win this game like there's and that's exactly why that's exactly why i've been saying this whole time they're not that good like i get i get my clemson take was just immediately like dead wrong but like i i know you know it's coming which is just the worst part that they've kept winning through this whole thing they don't instill confidence but they do the most important thing and they show up when you kind of need them to throughout the game I mean, they put up 21 points in the fourth quarter to win and to cover the spread, which was huge. That I mean, good good teams win, great teams cover. TCU <laughs> has been a great team this season when it, when you look at it like that. But yeah, there I, I think that also adds what I kind of like is the element of chaos to the playoff. Is it's a team that they're never truly out of a game. They make every game fun. They're not blowing teams out week after week. So I do, I do want to see something like that, a team like that make the college football playoff this year where, you know, every game is a little dicey. They'll keep it close, but at the end of the day, they're going to win. So uh, I, can, I, watching them this year is fun. And I think that they, if they can the like, if they can hold like a possession lead on Texas or at least have like, you know, even one of those games where the, maybe the final score ends up closer, but it was never really that close. If they can do that to Texas this week, I'll say I'm wrong. Te- yeah. I, Texas is probably the best offense they're going to play in the past few weeks because um, they probably have, I think, the the third or fourth, second or third best back in the nation. And then when Ewers is healthy, he's looked like one of the best QBs in the country um, this season. So it, that, that does it, – it's a little concerning, but uh, that TCU offense is the one thing that does instill a little confidence is that they're consistently scoring over 30 points, almost close to over 35 a game. So – um, that, that is what, what makes me feel confident in, in them is their offense being as good as it's been uh, behind the arm of Max Duggan. And I think looking at the broader picture of, of how this playoff plays out, it is going to be fascinating to see what happens going forward because it's going to be most likely two undefeated teams. I think it's going to be Georgia and it's going to be the winner of Ohio State, Michigan. And then you're going to have a whole slew of one-loss teams unless TCU wins out. Mm-hmm. Obviously, if TCU wins out, they're going to be in. But if TCU loses, you're talking about a one-loss TCU, presumably Big 12 champion, uh, a one-loss Michigan, who their only losses to Ohio State, a one-loss Tennessee, whose only losses to Georgia, a one-loss Pac-12 team that wins their conference. So yeah. I, I do want to ask you guys, like, looking at especially the Big Ten, because obviously only one of Ohio State-Michigan can even make the Big Ten championship, you know, 
how much do you think the committee is going to value that championship? You know, whether it be the Pac-12 or the Big 12, you know, does a one-loss Pac-12 or TCU get in over a one-loss Michigan-Ohio State? I think it depends on who it is. Um, if TCU has the one loss and they have to look at them against like a one loss Pac-12 UCLA, I think TCU gets the nod. If it's against Oregon, I think Oregon probably gets the nod. But the one thing that hurts Oregon, and I realize it's still week one, but that loss to Georgia is still fresh in the minds of a lot of people. It's just when you look at their schedule, you're like, well, they did get absolutely blown that's like, by Georgia. Yeah, and, and not to interrupt you, I feel like that's the one game that most people probably watched Oregon this year. So, like, oh, man, Oregon's really bad. But I'm like, Oregon's kind of good. They, I mean, they they really – they they played really well against a, a, a very good UCLA team and, and kind of locked down DTR and that, that real explosive Chip Kelly offense. But – so, I think, like, against Oregon, I think they get the nod. And then – where it comes down to being real close between like TCU and USC. If USC wins the pack 12, cause they'll have wins over Oregon and UCLA at that point, if they're one loss, then I think they probably get the nod, but I think that's the closest of those against the, the pack 12 and big 12. I think if it's UCLA, TCU, TCU gets the nod. If it's Oregon, TCU, Oregon gets the nod. And if it's uh, USC, TCU, I think TCU just by a hair probably gets the nod over them. Yeah. I mean, that's a really tough question. Like you said, Diaz, I mean, there's like three, four or five different scenarios that you really got to lock down. And, you know, luckily depending on how you want to look at it, uh, we'll get some of that stuff figured out. I mean, Oregon doesn't have a, a total like cakewalk left. I mean, look, they got Washington and Utah left who are both two teams that are, in the top 25, at least the current top 25, which I think, I mean, you know, we all have our gripes with it, even uh, even if the outside the top four doesn't necessarily always matter. Uh, but like you said, I mean, Oregon's been really good. We we talked in the group chat about uh, Bo Nix, that pesky son of a gun, man. He's, he's had a heck of a year, and it's hard to deny it. You can't really when you look at the numbers. Um, and so when, when it's down, you know, Washington and Utah, and they got to come down to Ots, and uh, that's a tough place to play. Um, and, and so all of that stuff's going to get figured out. I mean, with the Pac six and zero, uh, Oregon is in conference play. USC six and one, then UCLA and Utah are five and one each. So there's a lot that's going to be done with that head to head play. Um, and USC and UCLA still have to play each other head to head in LA there. So that's that's going to take care of some of that too. Um, so it's going to be an absolute jumble in the pack, but I, I, I don't know that, um, TCU's chances with one loss are that great, regardless. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you would see, I think you, they would put Tennessee in over, uh, over a one loss TCU and whether that is fair or not. I mean, especially depending on an SEC championship game and an Ohio state Michigan game. I mean, unfortunately the tough thing with all this is the the results do matter i mean like like we said in these games um lsu winning by one and then um you know notre dame absolutely bodying clemson is really what's knocked them down so far in the poll but really like one loss clemson in a gross game with the weather on the road like i don't know like if that game is closer they're probably in the CFP conversation still, even at one loss, but they got absolutely dominated by a couple extra possessions. And now we're, now we're counting them out, which, which is probably fair. Like I said last week, you know, I was, I wrote a little too high on them and whatnot, but yeah, I mean, this thing, this thing, if everybody wins out and I mean, I would even think a close uh, big 10 championship game or no, I'm sorry, a close Ohio state Michigan game could potentially keep Michigan in. Um, but yeah, I mean that 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 last spot is going to be a jumble, and this this has done everything the committee and the and the higher ups that be um, make the case for a twelve team playoff. Yeah, does, I agree. Does a a one loss winning the ACC UNC have <laughs> any type of chance? Because they lost their one loss is Notre Dame, 
and they lost. It was a closer game than the Clemson game. Uh, and they'd also finish up with a win over a ranked NC State team. I, I'm just kind of posing the question here because, I mean, I, I think they'd have to kind of be in some type of conversation with one loss being a conference champ. I think their actual problem is that Clemson lost. I think their case would be stronger if, mm-hmm. say, going into that weekend, they got some help from the Pac-12, you know, a couple two-loss teams there, TCU falls out, and they're, say, like number seven go, or number six going into that ACC championship against the number three undefeated Clemson. Mm-hmm. Then I could see it, but it's really tough because their best win is going to be, like you said, NC State, who's – obviously without Leary, and then a Clemson team that we just saw get, you know, kind of destroyed by Notre Dame. They, they just haven't really played anyone. It's it's tough. I like UNC. May is an absolute monster. Um, They should have covered last week. It's absolutely ridiculous that they didn't just put the ball in the end zone, but you know, that's a conversation for another day. Um, But, yeah, I, I just think it's it's too tall of a task at this point for them. That's fair. Yeah, it, 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 prob- it probably is. I'm hoping they lose this week to Wake Forest because I need it to happen. But I'll tell you what, that game, that last game of the year, that NC State game, watch out, man. Morris, that kid, the backup for NC State, I don't know. I've had to watch him the last couple of weeks just because of where some bets lie and then just, you know, flipping channels and stuff. This kid's, this kid's talented, and they got Thayer Thomas. That offense can work a little bit. I'm, I don't think that's a given game. Um, but, yeah, I, I, it's really tough because – they're like, they've just been so, I mean, they gave up 40 points in a fourth quarter to App State and, you know, take that however you will, but that's a five and four App team. Um, you know, they've just not looked good at times. And and TCU has done, you know, the offense has been so good. It's, it's overshadowed the defensive struggles. Like if I said, if, if I don't, if I said TCU's defense is 74th in points per game, no, I don't think a lot of people would think that. I think they would, you know, not register that necessarily. But everybody knows that the UNC defense is bad, and everybody knows that they would get pumped against a competent offense uh, with a halfway decent defense. But they're doing the same thing as TCU, which is at the end of the day, they're winning ball games. So it's it would be really tough where if they ended up winning out and then dominating in the in the conference championship game, all of a sudden, yeah, they're in that seven eight spot and saying, "Hey, what about us?" I do want to ask you guys um, before we kind of pivot. We want to talk some Heisman. I saw Diaz tweeted this, so I'll kind of start with him that you know maybe you should switch Michigan and Ohio State. So. Does that mean, you know, the way they beat Northwestern? I, it was a gross game. Um, the wind was insane. No one could throw the ball. They, they end up gutting it out 21 to 7. Is, is that your rationale, or is it because Michigan has just looked so good? I, I think it's – I don't really take into like, – like you said, the weather in that Northwestern game was crazy. Still an ugly win, but a win. I just think Michigan this year has looked better than Ohio State. But at the end of the day, it's two versus three. You're just flip-flopping positions. Oh, yeah, very minute point. I just wanted to kind of yeah. get your, your thinking on it. I would put them above just because they've looked better. I think they look better against Penn State. Really, I mean, like the game felt like a stalemate in the first quarter when uh, Michigan played Penn State. And then they came out and just after that ran all over them. Blake Corum, who's a Heisman, probably should be a Heisman finalist, has been carrying that offense. And they've looked just, I think, a lot more impressive than Ohio State. Granted, I don't think both teams, their schedules have been pretty weak uh, up to this point. But I'd put Michigan over them at uh, as of right now. People forget Penn State was leading that leading Michigan at halftime, and then obviously they went out and you know Michigan's fourth for quarter is like a hundred to three or something stupid like that. Like they have been insane in the fourth quarter. I mean, that's what good teams do, though, right? Like they, they pound you all game and then they put it away. So that, and that's what that's what sucks about the CFP in a way, is that everything's so subjective. You know, like it, how how you evaluate a, a win and a loss. You know, a team putting away teams in the fourth quarter, like I said, the TCU UNC comparison. Like it's all just how you look at it. It all just depends on what each individual does. And at the end of the day, the playoff committee just has to come up to a decision. But Diaz, I think I think you make a good point for Michigan. I don't I don't think it's an unfair point, but I would still say that 
given where Ohio State's been, and then still being able to put 21 on Northwestern in those conditions and just outmanning another team was was really impressive. Um, it's it's crazy um, to think about, and I know Luke, you want to talk about some of the Heisman stats. So, and I'll, I'll bring it up here. Stroud, you know, he went. I don't even think he completed 50% of his passes. Um, no, he completed 38.5% of his passes. Yeah, so throwing in that win, and he, so he's at 68% on the season. That's 17th best in the country. He's got 2450 for yards. That's 20th best in the country. And 29 touchdowns, that's still good enough for second uh, behind Drake Mace, 31. So I, it's so hard. He's been the front runner for the most of the year. And it's crazy to think that for me, the way I look at it, talking about subjectivity is he's been so good all year that he just had a horrible game in horrible conditions. And he's still an elite passer and has been all year in the stats. Those numbers still are backing it up even after such an ugly game. But I do think after that game, I think the conversation opened a little bit more. I mean, I, th- I still think CJ Stroud will probably win the Heisman, but Look at some of the other guys in the mix right now. Hendon Hooker, his stock also went down because he didn't look all that great against Georgia. That was that was a weird game. You know, at halftime it started to rain and all that. But either way, I mean, Georgia's defense is, you know, who knows? We'll, we'll, maybe we'll find out if C.J. Stroud can play against that Georgia defense at one point. But, you know, Bo Nix, Bo Nix is kind of in the conversation. And I, maybe Bo Nix has to be in the conversation regardless of if we want him to be or not. I know. And maybe I'm a fraud. Diaz called me out. I was like, I'm kind of, I kind of liking watching Bo Nix again. And, and Hoppe sent the video of him throwing the ball behind his head. And he's like, Oh, this is the Bo. I'm like, but I kind of love that. I kind of love that Bo Nix is now become like not only a, a, a pretty good, he's 35 total touchdowns on the year, but he also still has the Bo Nix in him to just throw. It's like Jameis Winston. Like he's putting up big numbers. He's also throwing the ball behind his head. Like, I don't know. I I won't go into Bo Nix's hole because I know we're an anti Bo Nix podcast. But watching him play, man, like this Oregon team, like you t- you take out that Georgia game, they're they're pretty fun to watch, guys. I I don't know. I mean, what do we make? I want. I mean, you got to give thirteen rushing touchdowns. You got to give him his due. His passing numbers. He's got the best completion percentage in the country. Um, he's Bo Nix has been good, regardless of if we want to say he is or not. But like you said, all of a sudden the behind the head stuff comes out and it's like, what, what are we doing? My guy, like, I, I just don't understand it, but I real a little worried that uh, coach Lanning is already looking at, at Bo Nix's alma mater in Auburn. Like, what are we doing? My guy, I know this has no effect on the Heisman race, but like, you'd think that your star quarterback is playing his cojones off since week one, when he got absolutely dismantled. And is in the Heisman talk now. You're having a great season. Do you think that could waver with Bo Nix and the rest of the team's focus? That kind of stuff coming out, or do you think I, you know that's crazy to me? I, I don't like this, but I mean, it, it's if they it would be completely wild if Lanning left and like they make a very good push to make the playoff. Even if they don't, they're still going to probably be like an NY or uh, an NY six team, but. Imagine he leaves like him even having interest in the job is pretty wild to 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 think about because he's having a really great year and their one loss is the the team he coached last year. He has to know how good they are. So it, it would be real disturbing if uh, Lanning left to go to the, the SEC to a team that has less talent, uh, almost feels like probably j- just is a lesser program th- than Oregon to go to Auburn. Uh, they've just looked so bad the past few years that it would be real weird if he left and probably a bad career move for him. I don't know if it's a bad career move, though. Uh, to go to the no SEC. connection, though. What was that, Hop? There's no connection for him. It's not the all, you know, he didn't play there. He's never coached there. He's never really been associated with the, associated with the South before Georgia. Like, I don't know. Like, why is it just, hey, he's seen him shove a bunch of money out. So, yeah, obviously I'm going to have mutual interest, too. Well, I, I think also when you look at Oregon, like, there's some uncertainty there. Like, we don't know what the Pac-12 – I mean, the Pac-12 is going to be very different. I, I don't know 
was Oregon rumored to, to be leaving or what? Because I know UCLA and USC look like they're going to go to the Big Ten and, you know, some teams are going to the Big 12. Like, if you go to Auburn, you know, you're in the SEC, you're in the big boy conference, you're going to be probably making more money. So, I mean, I can understand to a certain extent because I don't, I don't know. Oregon's obviously a premier program, but I just think – I still think the ceiling is going to be higher if you win at Auburn. You know what? I, I, I didn't even think of it that way. That's actually a fantastic point by you. Thank you. I do understand that uh, to an extent, but winning at Auburn in the SEC is very difficult. I think winning in you know what the Pac-12 could be for the remaining two years or really any other conference is a lot easier than winning in the SEC when you have to play Bama, Georgia, Tennessee. Oh, it's definitely easier. Don't get me wrong. But like, what you know, what does he want? Does he want the challenge of let me go see if I can beat you know Nick Saban every year? It's it's brutal. It's absolutely brutal to go to Auburn and have to play Georgia and LSU and Alabama and all those guys, but. You know, it's definitely um, the the victory would would be sweeter tasting. I think. Yeah, I just don't like the the idea of him leaving at, after this year because of how good Oregon has been. I, I just think the one year, kind of like a just pump and dump leave, is such a bad look for Landing in general. Yeah, it's it's not Liam on a Saturday night. You can't just pump and dump in, in college football. You got to be able to. <laughs> Just to stay in a program, boys. But I mean, no, it, it feels like Oregon has kind of become a, a launching pad of sorts for coaches to go on to big program. I mean, Cristobal left Oregon for Miami, and Miami is a mess. And I know the connections are obviously stronger with with Cristobal and Miami, but I don't know. It feels like Oregon's big enough to get you to that next job, but it feels like it's not that premier job for coaches. If if I'm the Oregon AD, and like you brought Lanning in for a meeting about him, like thinking about leaving. I would just pull up like Cristobal's stats this year and like his record and be like, don't, don't be like this. Like this will easily be you and you will get torn apart by, by every corner of, of college football media. So you could have this your first two or three years and then maybe win in the sec, or you could stay here, be stable, you know, really compete for, for, conference championships year after year because i mean the pac-12 is a, a conference that feels a lot like the big 12 where every year it's ripe for a hostile takeover and you get a handful of teams that may step up to the plate like last year felt like utah uh, a couple of years ago when the playoff first started it was like washington was that team that kind of ran the pac-12 for a little bit um but now i mean if landing stays in oregon keeps bringing in his recruits there, there's no reason he, he should really be leaving, I don't think. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I know, I agree, I agree. But I, I do want to kind of wrap up the Heisman talk with, you know, Blake Corum <laughs> is obviously also in the mix out of Michigan. 16 touchdowns tied for first in college football, 11-87 rushing yards fourth. Um, one name I do want to throw in the mix, Drake May is having a really great year mm-hmm. at UNC. I mean – Close to 3,000 passing yards, 31 touchdowns, three picks. Um, I think the numbers you obviously have to kind of compare to competition. And obviously, UNC hasn't been playing the, the same teams as, you know, the SEC or even the Big Ten. But honestly, now that I think about it, like, Hop might get mad at this, but how outside of Ohio State and Michigan, like, how much worse is the rest of the Big Ten compared to the ACC? I know it's, the ACC is obviously worse, but – the Big Ten is real. Like, we're just watching like Michigan and Ohio State just blow out like Rutgers and Indiana by like 60 every week. It's just like a waiting for that game to happen. So maybe the competition even isn't that much crazier. I don't, I mean, I don't really care about that statement. I know the Big Ten is overall the second best conference in collegiate football, and I have no problem with that identity. Don't, don't. Top do to bottom? Whole... Top to bottom, absolutely. Yeah. All right. All right. I think when you look at the the Big Ten, there are two teams that stand at the top. That's obviously Michigan and Ohio State. Then there's like Penn State, who's probably that second tier. Illinois, like a third tier. And then there's a very substantial drop off. In the ACC, the top isn't as that's incorrect. Okay, who who else? No, no, I mean a substantial drop off. No, that that's that's absolutely incorrect. Uh, Wisconsin. You know, um, 
I don't Iowa for the I mean they win ball games for the most part. Those teams in a non Big Ten schedule, I mean, they would absolutely wipe the floor with Georgia Tech, Virginia Tech, um, any of the middle tier, you know, Arizona, Arizona State in the Pac twelve. It's not even close. It's not even they're not even good ball games. I, I, I would just dis, I would disagree with that. I think when you when you compare it to the ACC, I think the top isn't as strong because I think it's just kind of Clemson. But when you get to that tier two and tier three, it's much stronger than the Big Ten when you look at those teams. But and, that's bananas. That is a bananas thing. I, I, again, like the Big Ten, all they do is parade themselves around in every single sport. They do it in college basketball every year, and then what do they do? They lose. In, they lose the first weekend. Like they're like, oh, we're so big and tough, but. It's like, oh, you only play each other, and then when you venture out, look what happens. I mean, the ACC dominated the tournament last year. Let's let's be honest. Whatever. That's That can be your guys' opinion, but shout-out Blake Corum. Kid's been great this year. I think when it comes to Drake May, uh, Only the Big Ten do, does every team have to defend the conference. I, I respect that. No, I mean, I'm not going to – I'm not going to pretend that Northwestern is going to go beat, like – a Virginia Tech or a Georgia Tech, like they're going to lose that game and they're probably going to lose by two to three possessions for sure. Absolutely. I don't, I don't doubt that in one single bit, but I think the middle, like Wisconsin would absolutely be the second or third best team in the ACC. Even this iteration of Wisconsin, I don't even think it's a question truthfully. I don't, I don't even think that's a question. I mean, if I think Wisconsin and Syracuse, Wisconsin might beat actually probably beat Syracuse. I'm not going to lie to you. I think I, this. I mean, that's why there's look that that can be a little bit of bias, and I, I mean, this team has gone through his ups and downs this year. But the the team, at least for the last month since Jim Jimmy Leonard has taken over and Bobby Ingram's calling plays, um, that that this team is different. But we whatever. I think did you call it, did you call it a, a little? Did you call it a little bias? Did you call <laughs> it a little bias? I, I think, don't think I'm that. I think over the last month, I think I'm absolutely right. I mean, oh, like I, I said, I mean, you, you... It Wisconsin versus Syracuse is a weird. Like, I don't. It's weird like, and it's dumb and it's pointless for no, sure. No, because but it, it depends. Like early on, I think Syracuse beats them. I think right now, Wisconsin probably beats Syracuse. Full disclosure. Exactly. Yeah, you're you're right. Absolutely, you're right. Anyways, that's not the point. This that was not the point <laughs> of this conversation. <laughs> the problem I have with the Heisman Award. Generally, you can account for a couple things. You know, Devonta Smith. I feel like they kind of threw him a bone. I mean, the guy was fucking fantastic. You can't you can't deny the season he had at all. Absolutely cannot. He was fantastic. He deserved the award as much as anybody has. Unfortunately, now it's a QB centric award, similar to the NFL MVP. That's just how it is, and it makes sense um, for the most part. It's the most important position on the field, and I think I think especially in college football, that's the case. The problem I have is that guys like Drake May that lead the country and everything, and specifically like Bailey Zappi last year, I get the competition thing. I hate the team success aspect of things. But, I mean, you just, you got to be given the, the award to the best player all year. Last year, I don't think beyond a shadow of a doubt it was Bailey Zappi, considering he has better numbers in a single season than Joe Burrow, who won the Heisman. And like I said, all the outside stuff with the team and the whatever, I I don't really like that argument much as much as I used to. But man, I really wish I really wish Drake May had a chance, but I just don't think he has one. So, what are are, are you? We're, I just want to clear it up. Are you arguing that Zappy should have won the Heisman? Yes, absolutely. I don't think I don't know what would you. I I like I said. You can go out and talk about how they lost four games, sure, and that's you know the defense. But I don't, I don't know how. Nope, no quarterback in the history of the NCAA had a better season than Bailey Zappi had last year. I don't. That's just not. And he didn't didn't even receive a vote. I I don't agree with that. Maybe a finalist, but you, there you do have to factor in the the competition aspect. And I understand that Zappi statistically was the best player in college last year, but I, it just saying he should have won the Heisman feels a little outlandish just because he played in FCS school or not an FCS, a, a G5 school. And I, there's no disrespect to G5 guys, but when you're putting up numbers 
year game after game in an SEC conference or the Big Ten, that's a lot different than putting it up in the Sun Belt. Uh, it just it, it's different. Sure, but I mean nobody's. I mean, like Joe Burrow and him are the only two guys in the last hundred years to have years like he did. But I mean, I mean I'm not. But the exact, but the exact thing with what you said is like it, it matters, and you're absolutely right to to the voters. It matters to me. I don't care. I don't care as much. With, with that, with that same logic, though, then in 08, Case Keenum should have won the Heisman over Sam Bradford, who was ridiculous. Yes. I, I mean, hop, come on. I mean, this is a. I feel it's not a bad argument. I shouldn't say it's a bad argument, but it's uh, it's very pie in the sky. It, it's not going to happen, and you know it really should. You're right. I don't no, you're right. It's though. it's not gonna happen. I, I it's like I mean it's kind it's just dumb to me. Like why why would you give out the the best player in the country award? Like like the NFL pisses me off so much. MVP is gonna go to a quarterback, and then the best other offensive player that you could probably argue would win the MVP is just gets the a best offensive player of the year award. It's like well, if he's the best offensive player and nobody had 30 sacks this season, well then he's also the MVP. But it, it's a it's a it's a problem with the award that I I like I said I understand I get it team success matters and that's probably why C J Stroud is going to win the award likely um, as long as he goes off these last couple games and has a good game against Michigan you know we talk about the Heisman moment a lot it's really important and it's a, I mean it's great it's awesome when you get to see those things live you guys are absolutely right I just don't think it should be that way I agree to a certain extent with what you're saying I think Drake may almost has more of a case. And I, I know Bailey Zappi had the most ridiculous numbers of all time. I'm not denying that. But, you know, Drake May is playing at least, you know, a power five schedule. And I'm not going to take away from Zappi, but Western Kentucky sets their quarterbacks up very well. And, and that shouldn't be a knock against them. I mean, Austin Reed's second in the country in passing yards this year. Like, yeah. that offense is very conducive to throw the ball a lot, to put up a lot of numbers. And, again, I'm not taking that away from Zappi, but – you know, when he watches highlights, a lot of these throws he's making, there's not a lot of guys around. It's like, all right, here we go. Like, we're going to get our receivers open. We're going to get them in space, and we're going to let our quarterback succeed. Not a knock on Zappy, but I think it is – it's an interesting debate to have. But, again, like Diaz said, I think it's hard to expect um, people to vote for guys that they're not able to even really watch all that regularly. So, you know, maybe that's a knock on college football, this and that. Again, I'm a Case Keenum guy. You know, in case Josh Allen's elbow pops out, I'm a Case Keenum guy. Um, but it's definitely a very, a very hopeful argument from, from you hop. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, I mean, you guys are right and it makes sense. Um, and it's a totally fair to say, you know, what the impact the quarterback position has on the, on the team, that the team results should matter. And I get it. Like I said, I just, it, I, it's not for me and that's, that's okay. We can luckily, luckily us four in this, zoom call right now are level-headed enough despite me yelling at diaz the last couple weeks that we can all agree to disagree where where <laughs> we where we agree is that it shouldn't be just a quarterback award i i think absolutely it, it, it's it, it is annoying that it, what it's become the heisman does a better job not giving it to exclusively quarterbacks than like the nfl mvp but it, it, there's been years where the best player in college has been defensive players. And I think a great example of that is probably the Manti Teo year. I mean, he had a sick year and was clearly the number one player in college and didn't win it. There, there have been years where there have been running backs that have been the best. There have been receivers that have been Shout the out best. Melvin Gordon. Yeah, yeah. And it just – the quarterback bias has become huge over the, over the past probably decade. So that, yeah. that is definitely frustrating. Yeah, that that coupled with the emphasis on throwing the ball too has just made even made it that much more like of a mountain to climb. But whatever, we can we can move on from that. Yeah, we'll we'll move on, boys. Just because we, yeah, I love that. I love that Heisman conversation we just had, though, like expanding, <laughs> talking the history, talking all that. So definitely worthwhile. But we've got to talk about the G five five baby, the group of five five. Really has become one of my favorite segments of the week, giving our shout-outs, giving our props to the group of five, even though me and Diaz kind of just – we didn't go against the group of five. We love the group of five. But uh, <laughs> because, because of that, I will let Hop go first this week because he has been a true champion for the group of five as an App State guy. Not that me and Diaz aren't. Diaz, a UConn guy, me, a uh, Buffalo Bulls fan, horns up, currently playing Central Michigan. So, uh, Hop, I will hand it over to you. 
All right. I appreciate you. I, uh, I'm very excited. This just got announced uh, only a couple hours ago that the Conference USA, so my shout-out is the entire Conference USA. Um, they just got their new media deal done, some games on ESPN and CBS, uh, the sports network, and they're going to have a ton, mostly potentially exclusive conference games during the week, similar to Maction. It's awesome to hear. It's going to get, like you said, I mean, this is this is a step, but I think it's a really awesome step. You know, like uh, the point you guys were just making about the visibility, getting some of these guys, you know, guys like Dwayne McBride, uh, Austin Reed, who's a stud. Some of these Conference USA guys that are absolute ballers, you know, G5 guys in general, um, you know, Frankie Harris's of the world, all all the encompassing uh, G5 teams, get them some visibility. You know, it, this is going to be awesome. October, I mean, you got some baseball playoff games, but not much else is going on. I love it. I don't think there's going to be that much. And the way that people love Max, and I think people are going, to, are going to love Conference USA just as much. And I can't wait to see this stuff. And they, I believe they, it could start as soon as 2023 is the report that I saw. So excited for Conference USA. They're doing a lot. They just look dead in the water after all the realignment talk. People thought the conference was going to disband. Now they're getting a new media deal. They got a couple different teams in now, and they're rearing to go. So, congrats to Conference USA. I'm glad to see where where they're at now. You want me to go, Luke? Yeah, go for it. So, I it would feel um, it would feel wrong to go against UConn because I've been saying them the past few weeks, and they have been winning the past few weeks, and they've got a huge. They're five and five right now, on the verge of bowling for the first time, and. I believe six years um, and they've got a real tough game, final home game of the year. They're playing Liberty. Um, so I, they, they really need a lot of juice to pack the rent this weekend. Um, so I got to continue to shout out UConn and, and really just admire what they've been doing. Won the Cumble this past, uh, this last Friday. So they're on the verge of bowling. If it's not this week, then hopefully the week after, but, this is the week that Jim Mora could uh, solidify himself as a UConn legend. So I am shouting out the UConn Huskies at five and five on the brink of bowling right now. Love it. Love it. And you mentioned the team that I'm going to shout out, shout out the Liberty flames because last week, what did I say? I said, they're going to cover. I said, sprinkle the money line and they went into Arkansas and beat the Razorbacks 21 to 19 in a game that, I was nervous because the cover was never in doubt. There was never a doubt on the cover, but I sprinkled the money line and Hop texted me, hey, forgot to bet the points, only took the money line. So I'm feeling extra nervous. I'm willing this game to victory. They're the uh, Arkansas scores. They come back, they score 14 unanswered in the fourth. They go for two and KJ Jefferson just is unable to reach the ball over the goal line. Liberty wins, improves to eight and one on the year. I was to say joyful is an understatement. I was through the moon just thinking about how happy I was at that Liberty, that Liberty was a winner. I, I, that's probably my best money line dog call I've ever had. And I had a lot of people uh, over at ESPN Syracuse trailing with me. So we were all kind of going through it towards the end of that game. So shout out Liberty, absolutely incredible win. Hugh freeze has done an awesome job over there. And Liberty UConn, that's going to be a fun game. It could be a letdown spot for Liberty after a big win, and UConn trying to go go bowling. So that's going to be a fun one. Very, it was a very exciting game. I was sitting at the Texas Roadhouse, stuffing my face with beef tips and and mashed potatoes and rolls with the cinnamon butter. And I had it on my phone, and my wife looks over at me and she goes, "Really? It's not on one of the TVs in here?" And I go, "No, this one's on SEC Network, babe. I gotta watch. I gotta stream this one. Sorry, sweetheart." Um, but it was an awesome dub. I mean, they they dominated it. It helped cover my Arkansas win total, which they have to win out, including beating LSU this week for that to happen. So probably unlikely, but great call, uh, Lukey Locks. Yes, sir. And, you know, I'll quickly go to this before we get to our picks. Um, we, we're not going to do a huge preview this week because we kind of spent a lot of time talking about the playoff already. But the rankings we have this week, we've got TCU, number four, going to Number 18, Texas. Texas, seven-point favorites. Kind of a, a fishy line there. You guys know I love my fishy lines. We've also got number 12, 25, Washington, going at Oregon. 
And then we've got UCF going to Tulane. That's a really fun game in the American. Two teams playing really good football. Uh, and then we've got number nine, Alabama, going to number 11, Ole Miss. That game could have been big a few weeks ago, but obviously Alabama has now lost two games. Um, I'll start with Diaz, and we'll go to Hop. Quickly, out of those uh, top 25 games, who do you think is most on upset alert? Oh, um, I I, I want to say – I want to say Bama just coming off of, you know, uh, they're they're seven and two right now. A team usually when a college football team seven and two, you're popping champagne at Alabama. They're playing sad music right now, and you've got a, a lot of people on suicide watch. So I think they they're getting close to packing it in. Easy, Bradshaw. <laughs> <laughs> I think it, it could be almost feel like packing it in time if you're a player. Um, or that, so I think they're probably the, the team I deem most on upset alert, but, uh, then again, they could always come out and win by 25 this week, but I'm going to put Bama on upset alert. Ooh, I'm going to, I'm going to go with LSU, uh, at Arkansas tough place to play. I didn't even mention that. Yeah. I it's look, Arkansas is a tough place to play. They're coming off a game where they should have been better. This team is underachieved all the, all year. Sam Pittman is going to have his guys ready. I don't know if the defense can stop Daniel's dual threat. The defense has been lackluster to say the least, but you get a couple stops, you get KJ Jefferson going and some of those talented receivers. Anything can happen, man. I mean, we, we, we've seen it. It's college football. Anything can happen, especially in a rowdy atmosphere like that. If you want to put a stamp on the season after the way it's gone so far this year, one way to do it would be, be to beat a top 10 team at home. I think, I think LSU is on upset watch this week. I, I, it's the good call boys. You'll, you'll hear my picks in a, in a few minutes as we transition to that. I think TCU might be biggest upset watch just because I mean, they're seven point underdogs. So I don't know. It's going to be a tough one for them on the road, but Diaz, the lead dog 19 and 11 on the year. I'm sitting at 16 and 14 hop is eight and 16, but as always, we start our pick segments with Liam Smith, unfortunately coming off a tough Alabama loss, but you were getting hot before that. Yeah, you know, I was feeling it for a little bit, and uh, I it was a tough weekend for me all around, and uh, that, that pick was no better. So I really – I got to go back to my roots this year or this uh, weekend, and um, I know it's not been the best season for him at all, but uh, I think you guys know what we're doing here. We're going Hawaii on the island. Only Let's two go. wins this season on the island against the Utah State Aggies. We're catching 11 and a half. Utah State is awful on the road. One and three. Four and five overall, one and three on the road. We'll take this plus 11 and a half for Hawaii. Rainbow Warriors, 11.30 game. We're staying up all night. Let's do it. I love that. Actually, last week, um, luckily I didn't. I had a, a couple uh, a couple beverages in me, and I was like, oh, I kind of want to see uh, what Hawaii is up to. And But I saw they were on the road against Fresno State, and they got absolutely destroyed. But they back on pumped. the island, baby, back on the island, I love it. I, that's going to be a pick that I – that I ride with you. Yeah, Only that. on the island. Only yeah. ever on the island, boys. Golden rule. Only the island, boys. Uh, Diaz, let's go to you first. Lead dog. I mean, I'm kind of on your – I'm just saying, like, if UNC wins that game, I'm feeling pre- a lot better. But I could still catch you. So, three games up on me. What do you got this week? So, my first game, game you touched on already, uh, Tulane versus UCF. I have Tulane minus one and a half. They've looked like a pretty complete team this year. Have a big win over K-State already. Um, I, I think they're playing real good football right now, and they haven't let the top 25 kind of get to their head so far. So I feel confident with the spot they're at in the top 25, and I think they beat UCF um, in cover. So I've got them uh, minus one and a half. My next pick, I have TCU plus seven against Texas. Um, the past three weeks, I've bet on TCU. The past three weeks, not only is TCU won, they've also covered. So I'm riding the hot hand of the Horn Frogs. So that is uh, my my second pick. And my third and final pick for this week 
I have UConn at home, packing the rent, plus 14 and a half. It's going to be a tough game. Liberty's a very good team. UConn's been playing really good football, though. And I've also bet on them the past two weeks, and they've also covered in those games and won. So I'm riding two hot hands right now with TCU and UConn, um, trying to keep it up. So I have UConn plus 14 and a half, TCU plus seven, and Tulane minus one and a half this week. As you boys know, I like to bet lines, not teams. I'm very sorry to my good friend Andrew Diaz, but I am taking Texas, hook them, minus seven against TCU. I don't want it to be seen as That's a sign fine. of disrespect That's to the fine. Horned Frogs, but this is a really good Texas team. They're going on the road. Seven points is crazy high. Like, what, what are we doing here that tells me something? So I'm going to take Texas minus seven. I'm very – again, I'm sorry. I like TCU. This isn't anti-TCU, but um, I have to I have to stay true to myself here. Viewers passing yards over book it. See, but I, I don't want this to look like I'm joining with Hoppa because I'm not. So I, I want the record <laughs> to show. Uh, my second pick is actually a game that Hoppa mentioned. I'm going to take Arkansas plus three against LSU. LSU coming off a huge win. You know, Arkansas coming off a terrible loss and still LSU only a three-point favorite. Give me Arkansas plus three at home against LSU. Big trap spot. And my last pick, boys, this is a game we should have led the show with. The Bussin' with the Boys Bowl, Michigan and Nebraska. You know, I was listening to the episode from this week, and you got Will and Taylor talking about this game and you know, everyone seems to be on the Michigan side. I'm very excited to see where Liam's guy, JP, ends up. If he's going to be riding with Nebraska or Michigan, they said it's going to be a game time decision for him. It feels like everyone's coming in Taylor's hole. I'm, I'm riding with Will nice. Compton, baby. 31 is a lot of points in the Bussin Bowl. This is a game that people will be talking about for ages. The Bussin Trophy on the line. 31 is too many points for a rivalry game. Give me Nebraska plus 31 on the road against Michigan. Shout out Will Compton. Shout out the boys. I'm going with the Big Red on Saturday. You are really something else. You are you are an entertainer. Too many points for the Bussin Bowl. I love it. I love I love your your heart and and where you are. Let's see here. All right, fellas. I've been doing a lot of thinking. I've been doing a lot of self-reflecting. We've gone over a month now going one and two every week, maybe the most consistent gambler in the sport, honestly. Um, I got Northern Illinois money line tonight, a money line dog. You know me, they just gave up the lead before halftime. So we're, we're not loving ourselves right now. Um, so, so we're in, we're in uh, trouble personally. But I'm going to do something this week. I like, I went. Fade yourself? What? You're going to fade yourself? No, I'm not. I'm going to trust my gut. I like UCF Moneyline in this first game. Diaz, I'm going almost directly. I mean, not almost. I am going directly against you. I like them plus one and a half. I like them to win this ballgame. The other thing I like is I went. And I asked you guys about those first half spreads. What 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 were we doing with those? And you guys said, "Yeah, go for it." Oh oh oh, that's fair game, baby. So I said, "Okay." I sat down. I looked myself in the eye, and I said, "Okay, that's fair game." Look, we're one and zero with one half the first half picks this year. Why don't we just why don't we just see what's uh, what's on the card? Why don't we just figure it on out? So I did that. I did some self reflecting, and I I was looking at at some totals. Or, and some spreads this week. So after UCF money line, first half, Georgia State minus seven and a half. The offense is electric. UL Monroe, not a very good team. Georgia State at home. I absolutely adore them. That offense is just absolutely lights out. Great team. We're going first half there. Our final pick, first half line. Wazoo, Washington State, minus four and a half at home against Arizona State. Arizona State, bad. Washington State offense, very good. Good enough to keep them in the in ball games. The defense is, um, they're not going to give up a lot of points to Arizona State. They're going to cover that small first half spread. So to recap, before you find gentlemen, we're going to take UCF plus one and a half, but we like them as a money line dog on the road against Tulane. 
Then we got Georgia State minus seven and a half at home against UL Monroe. And then finally, Wazoo at home minus four and a half in the first half. Those last two are both in the first half. We like to get them out to early leads and to cover those spreads. All right, there's our picks, and that's our show. Thanks for hanging out with us here on another episode of Is It Saturday Yet? Be sure to follow us at Student Union Sports. Go to studentunionsports.com to get some more picks, some more great content. I'm Luke Owens, of course. As always, join alongside Andrew Diaz, Bryce Hopwood, and Liam Smith doing his thing behind the scenes. We will see you guys next week. Not so fast, my friend. podcast presented by Student Union Sports.